0: Morning, all. Great to be with you here in this portion of our service as we open up the Word of God together. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, uh, paper electronic, First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians chapter four. We have been talking. If you've been here, it has been a series, this is now the, the sixth week in this series, one more to go in this first part, seeing all of life through the gospel about identity right? Identity. And, you know, you could say there's at least two ways to think about identity in our world. One is, you know, that you, you create it, you curate it, you know? I mean, especially, I suppose, in the day of social media, but it happened long before then, that we're sort of, we come into life and we're figuring it out. It's a resume builder. It's a, who do I know? And, and where do I go? And where did I go to school? And we're building an identity. It's one way we look at life, and that's always been the case. But there's another way we've been talking about, And that's that identity, in it's truest and most significant way, is given to you, right? In him, we talked about in the very first sermon, in Christ. We have been enriched in every way. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes us from the inside out, not only changes us from the inside out, not only you might say is the, is the means to, of the forgiveness of sin, but I would say that it is also the means to becoming truly human. Jesus Christ was not just our sacrifice for sin, he was the example of perfect humanity. Okay? He was our example of perfect humanity and his identity he got from his father as we get our identity from God. So we've been talking about that and he's talked about it at length in these other sermons. You might say in the wrong way, right? What is the wrong way to think about you know, identity when it comes to other people, how we see other people, how we see ourselves? And he moves here in the few verses we'll look at this morning to talk about the right way or a right way to think about ourselves and to think about other people to see your life to see people through the gospel what's most important let me give you the sermon in a sentence what's most important Paul will say is not what others think of you in other words how important you are or unimportant you are or what you think about yourself even how important you are, or more often, how unimportant we are, Okay, our inner critic. What's most important is what God thinks of you. His evaluation is what truly matters, and living out of His evaluation, that's the whole point of this series, living out of His evaluation is the only place you will find true freedom. It's my subject this morning, true freedom, the kind of freedom that's at the heart of the gospel offered to you and me. So let's read these verses together or follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, picking up from where we left off more or less last Sunday. This then, okay, it's an ongoing conversation, Apostle Paul. This then is how you ought to regard us, Paul and his you know, band of, a team of leaders, as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries of God that God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful, okay? But I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, here's the advice, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each, it's you, that's me, will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, talking to Christians, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. I'm using myself as an example Paul gets very vulnerable in this book. So that you might benefit and learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. I think He's talking about the Bible. Don't go beyond what is written. You want to know who you are? You want to know what God wants to do with your life? Don't go beyond what is written. Your thoughts will take you places that will move you away from what is true. Okay, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will be not puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, it's the gospel. Why do you boast as though you did not? True freedom. A couple things in this short sermon. True freedom is found in no longer living for the approval of others. Okay? True freedom is found in no longer living for the approval. Oh, boy, if it was only that easy. Okay? If it was only that easy. Think of how different your life would be, how different my life would be if I could live 24 hours without thinking about what other people think about me. Okay? As human beings, we are continually evaluating other people. Can't get away from it. Right, continually evaluating other, whether it's someone close in your family, someone you're you know you're you're very close with, you know someone on the that you're sitting next to you on an airplane, that you may never see. We are constantly evaluating other people. We are also prone to evaluating ourselves, and I think if we're honest, we have a growing suspicion that we don't measure up in the eyes of other people, no matter who you are no matter how uh, successful you may or may not be constantly evaluating others have a growing suspicion right that we don't measure up in the eyes of others and therefore we have a tendency ask yourself this question to overinflate ourselves right then you will not be puffed up think of the metaphor it uses because there's this constant sense of evaluation, because I always turn it on myself, I'm evaluating myself, I never want to say it out loud, I think maybe I'm an imposter of a kind, right, whatever I do in life. Therefore, I have a tendency to battle that inner critic, to overinflate myself, and to criticize and tear other people down. I don't really want to wake up doing that, but it's a survival for me depending on what I do, and where I go, and and how I do life, right? It's it's almost a survival to criticize and tear others down. And because of that, I think most of us would, would, would say this is true, this evaluation can be brutally cynical. Brutally cynical, the way that we often talk about other people. If you had the time, I don't have it this morning, and you were to read carefully, these two letters, they kind of the same church. And there was a third letter that we don't have that's mentioned to the Corinthian church. Let me just tell you a few things, a few things that this congregation said about their leader. Here, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul, okay? When he says, I want to, brothers and sisters, I want to apply this to myself. I want to show you something. I'm going I'm to put myself out there. I'm going to be vulnerable applied these things to myself and apostles for your benefit so that you might learn the meaning of something. That you might learn to not go beyond what is written. That you might learn to not take your orders, not only from what other people say about you, but from your constantly, uh, 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 never shutting up, eternal critic that's telling you things about yourself. I'm going to tell you how to live your life through the lens of the gospel. Just a few things that are said of this Uh, apostle, that he was fickle. I'm not going to give you uh, uh, references, but I could give them to you if you want. Fickle. Because he had said one time later in the second chapter, I'm going to come at a certain time. Right? He'd gone there. It's been five years since he's been here. He makes a second journey. back. He says, I'm going to come at such and such a time. And then other things happened. He was was the the 13th apostle of a kind. He's starting churches. And he actually wanted to um, not if you read the second letter, he, he, he was so fired up and there was some, some bad behavior going on. He sort of wanted a little break before he went there, if you read the second letter. So he didn't come at the exact time he was going to come. He sent somebody else. And they said, oh, you, you don't keep your promises. You're fickle. They said he was timid, right? And that he was a weak person. I and mean, that's not an easy criticism to take. They said almost a, a direct quote from the second letter. He's personally, because he, they sent him a letter, and then he had a couple friends that came and talked to him in chapter 1. He mentions, how does he know about what's been going on for five years? Quote, he is personally unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Okay? I mean, he's personally unimpressive. I'm sure there's people in this congregation that think that about me, but thank God they don't tell me that, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's personally unimpressive and is speaking. Kind of what you do for part of your living if you're an apostle. It amounts to nothing. What a a criticism. He wouldn't take money. Some of these other super apostles, I'm talking about these itinerant preachers that Paul's being compared to, they would come and speak on a Sunday like this and they would get money. And that was supposed to be a compliment. They, they, they thought, if these people get paid, they're good. And Paul said, I'm not going to take a dime from you. Paul, if you may know, was a tent maker, was kind like of a home builder. He, he didn't take money from the church. But then when there was this big offering that takes up much of the New Testament for the poor in Jerusalem, he challenged this church in particular to make good. And he sent Titus, his, you know, one of his leaders, to go and pick up the money. And they said, ah, this is what they said in the second letter. You said you didn't want any money, but you're really getting money back, you know, through a back channel through this guy named Titus. That's really, that's money's really for you. That's what they said. That wasn't true. But can you imagine that? They said in the second chapter, or the second letter, I'm sorry, he was, he quotes this. He says, you say about me, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, that I'm out of my mind. Okay? That's what they said about him. Because of the way, the way he challenged them. But here's the point. Did this criticism hurt him? I'm sure it did. Okay. Chapter 2. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Of course it hurt him. As it would hurt you. But it didn't crush him. See. It didn't crush him. My brothers and sisters, I've applied these things to myself for your benefit. So that you might learn from us the meaning of the saying... Do not go beyond what is written. The gospel had formed his identity. It had gotten deeper than the criticism, deeper than other people's judgment. Listen, deeper than his own internal critic and said, I love you. You are my son. In you I am well pleased. Do not judge anything before the time. Don't listen to that voice in your head because at the end of the day you will receive praise for me. You gotta live out of that. Okay? That's a challenge. But this is what it means. This is what Paul is trying to say to you and to say to me. I got a call. Um, that's why he ends this, right? For who makes you different from anyone else? The answer is nobody does. God made you who you are. What do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. Everything that you've received. You might say the parable of the talents. is is Jesus saying the same thing. It's a, it's a story. It's a parable. He's making a point. Bob gets three. Patsy gets two. Rob gets one. So that might seem uneven in this life, but Jesus says, "Listen, what matters in the end is what you do with what you've been given. Everything you have is you've been regiven. So why are you boasting about it, right? Or crit, or, or why are you complaining about it? Why am I complaining about Bob's three gifts when I got one? You're missing the point. Everything he has, he's been given." And he's going to stand before God someday, we talked about last Sunday, and say, what have you been doing with what you've been given? Same with Patsy, same with me, same with you. But that's understanding your life through the gospel. I got a call, uh, 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 or I called a guy, Ron Travato from our church. He works in CR. And Tuesday night was their celebration, um, 11th year anniversary. I couldn't go, uh, so I want to know how it went. He said, Rob, it was Unbelievable. So many great testimonies. That's what they do on the anniversary, sharing testimonies. He shared one in testimony in particular of a guy who had been there for a few years and Ron worked with him. He did these things called step studies and he said, listen, I, I, he shared his testimony but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give it to you all. It was so amazing. Where he was three years ago and what God has done in his life is unbelievable. Okay, Shared some of that story which was shared on Tuesday night. But he said to me, this has been so satisfying, this whole ministry that he works. Because for many years, his career, he said to me, he worked in law enforcement. Particularly with, um, you might say, gang people, uh, in, in young people in trouble. And he said, in those many years, it made me very cynical about people actually being able to change. I have to be honest with you, I became very, very cynical. But what I've seen here as a leader in CR is very, very different. He said this, I've been wrong more often than I've been right when I size up the men I've worked with here in this ministry. My greatest surprises are guys I least expect will make it. They fall down seven times and they get up the eighth time. My betting average, he said to me, is about 200 In other words, in thinking about whether or not somebody's going to change. It's been a very humbling ministry. He understood that what we truly know about people and what they know about us is greatly limited. And that should free you and free me from living for other people's approval, for judging other people as we do, and living under the judgment of other true freedom is found and no longer living for other people's approval there's only one way to get there okay it's not a self-help book it's not you know thinking your way there it's the gospel of jesus christ getting deeper and deeper root into your heart that, that cuts through not only the judgment of others but the internal critic in your heart and says, Glenn, you are my son in who I am well pleased. I don't want to hear anything more. That's the end of the conversation. And you need to live out of that. That's what Paul's doing. And maybe God, how God you know, just like God uses the prophets, he says, Isaiah, stay on your side for three years. You know, <laughs> I mean, these prophets in the Old Testament, they become messages. They become symbols and says, God's going to put me as a symbol, in a manner of speaking, I'm going to be criticized beyond what most people should endure, but it's not going to crush me. And he says time and again to this congregation, I've opened my heart to you, open now your heart to me. Okay? He did that because the gospel changed his life and was changing his life. True freedom is found in no longer living for the approval of others. Second, True freedom is found in no longer living for your own approval. It turns out that your own self-assessment is no more important than the assessment and judgment of others. Sometimes I say, listen, I I know what you think of me, but I have a better point of view, okay? It turns out that your own self-assessment is no more reliable ultimately in the last word on you, then the assessment even of your critics. Okay? Let your conscience be your guide. That sounds like a biblical truth. You know, I have those friends in my life. You know, they, they say things. It says in the Bible, you know, you know, in the book of Proverbs. Well, actually, it doesn't. Let your conscience be your guide is not a biblical truth. It sounds like one. A clear conscience is not to be trusted. Think about this. For our capacity for rationalization and self-deception is boundless. Think about that. Even Paul says, my conscience, verse 4, is clear. He's saying in this moment, right now, at the writing of this letter, as far as I know, I have not offended any of you. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. Not something? Because he understood something. This is the gospel at work. That his capacity for rationalization, his capacity, my capacity for self deception, in both ways, not only saying I'm much better than I am, but that I'm much worse than I am, it's boundless. Okay? It's boundless. Even one's conscience, like all other parts of the human being, of the human person, has been corrupted by sin. Do you believe that? That's what's going on in our culture today. right? Your own truth, your inner truth. You know, I'm okay, you're okay. That's crazy. Your conscience will take you your inner, your inner voice will take you to places that are far worse than, place, than your critics will take you if you listen to it. The truth is, listen carefully, God, only God, can find approval where you may find none. Only God not my spouse, not my best friend, not my worst critic. Only God can find approval where you can find, and listen to these words, one of the most precious passages in all the Bible. If our hearts condemn us, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. If our, I, would, I would change this. I can't change the Bible, but if I could, I would say, <laughs> when our hearts condemn us. When our hearts condemn us. We know. Do you know? This is the gospel. That God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. That's the gospel guys. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your heart. When your heart condemns you. Okay? You're not good enough. You're a liar. You're what, you're, what, you're what everyone says you are. And worse. We know that God is greater than our hearts. Judge nothing before the time. And he knows everything. Right? If you listen to your own critic, inner critic, you'll drive yourself um, to self-defeat and discouragement. You're, you're worse than your critics. I'm worse than my critics. C.S. Lewis, you know, with a smile, uh, said, you've heard this, there will be three surprises in heaven. Who's there, who's not there, and that you're there. <laughs> okay? I've had, the, I've had those thoughts. Seriously. <laughs> really. I mean, God, why would you take me? I had a, um, when I was a young minister, still am, but you know, (laughs) when I was a young uh, minister, my first uh, job out of the gate, worked for a great church Dallas, Texas, and um, my first opportunity, or certainly one of my first opportunities, my pastor, still alive, good man, a great man, um, been retired for some years, and He gave me an assignment. He asked me to speak at an event. It wasn't actually a church service. That would have been, I think, easier. I did do that too. But it was an event. And it was an event uh, with some people. He was at this event to speak. You know, kind of for him, but to speak. And it was, at least at that time in my career, it was like a, a tremendous honor for me. Okay, tremendous honor for me. And I did all my hard work, came to that event, and to say that I blew it, you know, I don't want to go into all the details. I, I, why I did it, I don't know. You know, how you, you were overwork and overthink. And I blew it. Um, I said things that were I shouldn't have said. I mean, it could hardly have gone um, worse, really. You know, one of those things when you're in the middle of it, and then you're trying to recover, and it gets worse? <laughs> why are you smiling Mike? <laughs> uh So it was one of those. Now, I was young. Uh, at the time, and, uh, and but here's the thought I had, maybe some of you have had this in your young career, or, you know, whatever, marriage, whatever, and I, uh, I got in my car, and while I was driving home, it was, it was sort of an out-of-town event, um, I thought to myself, one, this is probably the end of my job, okay, which is a big deal, it's my first job out of seminary, but two, I had these thoughts, this is not only the end of your job, this could be the end of your career. In other words, you've picked the wrong career. You're not gonna make it in this business. That was such a tremendous failure and, and a and and not that this man has the power to keep but I mean in other words, I said to myself, that's it. I'm literally what's next? You know, I don't know how to plumb. I know I don't I mean what's next for me? Okay. A day or two later I went in um, to see my uh, pastor hat in hand and it was a short conversation he, he acknowledged it and, um, and was very gracious and in so many words he didn't say these words he said listen Rob you kind of blew it but you are not your mistake so go back to your office and see it you later you know. in other words he demonstrated to me in a small way what this passage says here when your heart condemns you, at which it will, God is greater than your heart. And He knows everything. Okay? He knows everything. The gospel produces in us, should, this is what Paul's trying to say about himself as an example, a humility that is not thinking, listen very carefully, thinking less of yourself, I'm quoting another great person but the gospel produces in us a humility that is not thinking less of yourself that's wrong it's thinking of yourself less that's different right god doesn't want me to think less of myself i'm a jerk i'm i'm wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm a mess i'm no good that's not the gospel at work that's the opposite that's the anti-gospel at work the gospel says you're loved you're valued you, you, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am already well pleased. But the gospel humility doesn't want you to think less of yourself. But listen, think of yourself less. Because I'm loved, I'm valued. I get up out of the morning already. Let your word uh, of uh, let, let the let the word of your unfailing love come to me in the morning, right? Let let it come to, It's already there in my life and in your life. So true freedom is found in no longer living for the approval of others. True freedom is found in no longer living for your own approval. True freedom is found in only living for God's approval. A few words we're going to pray. In the end, what's most important is not what others think about you or what you think about yourself day to day, but what the Lord who made you thinks. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the time comes. At that time, each will receive. He doesn't say, listen, this is so beautiful. Their criticism from God. No. Each will receive their praise from God. God's dying to say to you and dying to say to me, Dave, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to these words. Psalm 139. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You want to know why David, if he wrote these words, was a great man? He put his pants on one leg at a time like everyone else because he learned to live out of that kind of knowledge. Right? That God loved him deeply. That God knew him deeply. How vast, how precious, excuse me, to me are your thoughts about me. How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, you are still with me. Isn't that unbelievable? So I want to pray. We're going to close in prayer. We're done. But I want to do... Sometimes you pray at the end of a service, you know, pray to receive Christ, okay? This is kind of a Christian pray to reset your heart. So I'm just going to pray. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and you you can pray it after me, four or five lines, or you can just pray it in your hearts, but I want you to personalize this prayer. Let us pray. God and Father, thank you for making me, loving me, and thinking about me. Help me to live out of your love more fully each day. Holy Spirit, release me from living for others' approval. Release me from living for my own approval. Help me to leave the final judgment of my life to you. in jesus name amen amen friends two things before i send you out one is if you're a guest or a visitor with us uh we'd love to say hello on the uh, right as you walk out the door on the right you'll see as maybe uh, um was mentioned uh, at the beginning of the service in the beginning of video you can you can see the person with the blue shirt And they'll happy. just just want to know who you are, give you a little gift. We just want to say thank you for being with us and help you maybe learn a little bit more about Browncroft. Uh, And also, if you're, as Jason said uh, a little bit ago, hope to see you here Friday night. Amen? Amen? Have a great Sunday.